Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. This week, meet your hosts, Christopher Day and Ryan Brock, the CEO and co-founder and chief content officer at Demand Jump. Join Christopher and Ryan on a journey to revolutionize modern day SEO, plus I preview some of the amazing things in store for listeners and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks at demandjump.com today. And now here's your co-host, Christopher Day and Ryan Brock. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Page One or Bust. Hello to all of our listeners out there. We have CEOs, marketers, ops roles, writers, other execs, even including CFOs, all people that want to learn more about how to win customers by ranking on page one more often and more efficiently. Before we introduce ourselves as the co-hosts of Page One or Bust, we want to take a, a few minutes on why we created this podcast. The world is changing uh, faster than ever before. Today is the slowest rate of change we will ever experience. Hmm. Digital alignment to that customer journey has never been more critical. And as we all know, everything downstream from paid to organic to uh, closed one revenue, 70% of buyers, Ryan, are now doing all their research and evaluation digitally, right? It's insane. There's over 2 trillion searches per year. 22% of those are unique, never have been searched before. It's only going to get more complex. Data is predicted to grow by another 3x in the next three years. Four and a half million blogs will be written today. 90.63% of those web pages and blogs will get zero traffic. And that is because nearly all users click on a first page result, which brings us to the topic of this podcast, page one or bust. We concede the show to help people across the globe find their customers more efficiently wherever they are and whatever they may be thinking by hearing from SEO and business experts about their SEO successes and failures. We're going to share real stories with real people who are tasked with getting their products and services exposed to the right audience at the right time. So Ryan, talk to us a little bit about the show's goal and, and our destination. Yeah, that word real means a lot to me. I think there's a lot of like buzz in marketing. There's a lot of noise and, and SEO in particular is kind of a black box to some people, right? So our goal here is to Stop dreaming, stop imagining, stop making up lists of things you need to do to win and just learn from experiments and see how other people have gotten their way to customer alignment because that's really what we're talking about, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. All right, with that, let's let's talk a little bit about introducing ourselves as a co-host of Page One or Bust. So my name is Christopher Day. I'm the CEO of Demand Jump. And now that we're friends, please feel free to call me TOF. Uh, this is the ninth company that I have been blessed with co-founding. And it's also the ninth different vertical that I've been in a, a position of trying to bring a new market entrance with a better value position into a given market. Previous businesses that I've co-founded and, and been the CEO of include broadband, hardware, software, retail services, and other industries. So we, we found that this issue exists across all industries in all companies, no matter what they are. I've had exits to strategic buyers and Fortune 250 companies, including Comcast, Motorola, Time Warner. And after 600 million deals, every company, no matter the industry, has had the same pain. And that is how can we stop guessing in marketing and just know what to do? Like going from guessing to knowing, that is crossing the chasm concept. So your target market will find you, right? They'll want to learn more, establish trust, see that value, and want to buy your product and service. So Ryan, let's, let's hear a little about your background. I founded my first agency, Metonymy Media, when I was just 23 years old. I had graduated back during the housing crisis recession, and good jobs were not available for people with degrees in, in English and philosophy and, and 
bad jobs really weren't available either. So at that time, I didn't have a lot to, to lose, but I knew that I wanted to tell stories. And I felt that the craft that someone who studies creative writing learns is something that could be valuable and could be worth making money on. And so long story short, I just spent a lot of time learning how other creatives had learned to make a living online. And I found the world of digital marketing. And I think it was because I didn't know anything about business, because I didn't know anything about marketing, but I knew a lot about craft that I was able to attract just a ton of clients really quickly. And so I built Metonymy Media around the creative writer as a professional and the concept of team-based content development and spent probably the majority of those 10 years that I ran Metonymy Media just learning about how do we get out of the way of good writing and how do we help make content more human and how do we marry the art of, of writing with the science of, of all this big data and stuff that's coming out, which is, I think, what brought us together. And uh, brought me to the demand jump team eventually. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's what gets me so jazzed up is finally marrying the art of storytelling with the science of what that target market actually is thinking about, the questions they actually have. That's where the magic happens. So let's let's talk a little bit about the background of, of demand jump and Matami Media over the last couple of years, how we've gotten to to know each other, right? To establish that, that next level of expertise as we take it to market. Matami Media wrote, page one SEO content for organizations, big, small, Fortune 250 companies, the whole gamut. But for so long, it was that word we used earlier, guessing. It was, we guess this is a good topic to write about. We guess what you assume about what your customer's value is correct. And we guess this is uh, this is what we should do in terms of volume and blah, 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 blah. And I found that almost every time we started with a new customer, we'd spend three to six months just guessing it's and, amazing. and not only guessing on the, the creative direction, but guessing as to whether or not this expert is right about what you have to do to rank, or is this expert right about what you have to do to rank? So when we met and I first discovered the demand jump platform and found something that was able to actually take all that guesswork out of the way and say, actually, forget about what you think, forget about what you assume, forget about what you know or believe. We're going to tell you exactly what your target audiences are asking about online. There's no fluff to that, right? There's no yeah. magic. There's no uh, there's no uh, Wizard of Oz behind the curtain claiming to be one thing and, and actually being another. There's real value for talented writers to say, we're going to cut through the noise and we're just going to focus on solely writing what we know our audiences want. And so for us, for Metonymy Media, we grew explosively over those two years working with the Demand Jump platform just because we already had the processes and the skills for the creative side down. But bringing that unquestionable customer insight to the table is really what made the difference. And then eventually I think uh, made a lot of sense for you to just go ahead and buy us. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. So I, that's, I think it's, that's spot on. It's so exciting. If we go, if we kind of go back before we met Metonymy, the kind of the first four years of demand jump, we produced roughly 400 pieces of content. And we discovered that only a few of those actually resulted in page one rankings or, or actually resulted in closed one revenue. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, when we're talking about guesswork, yeah. this is like actual dollars and cents, right? Actual this money. is not just like, oh, we'll try a couple of things. This is yeah. an entire marketing budget. Yeah, absolutely. It literally means growing that bank account or not and getting that next round of funding or not. We used to do the same thing that you know, pretty much nine out of 10 people do, right? You subscribe to some tool out there and you download a bunch of data and you throw it into a spreadsheet and make it really complex and do all kinds of VLOOKUP and fun things trying to figure out what you want to talk about. And the whole paradigm shift here, right, is not what we want to talk about our product or service, but what is that target market? What do they care about? What are they thinking? 
And that's the difference, right? Because so many of those established SEO tools that are out there, they still require you to come knowing what you want to do, right? Like you have to already have made the decision. This is the direction that we're going. Now, it's not to say that you can't confirm or deconfirm that direction, but it's a lot harder to just like get the lay of the land and actually test your assumptions. And and that's what what a responsible marketer should be doing in 2022. It's let's just like forget what we think we know and let's just go for the data and then do what we know we need to do based on that. Yep. 100%. So page one or bus is going to be all about this paradigm shift that has already happened. Some people have gotten started, some are laggards and still doing status quo, but it is that paradigm shift in the way we think when we do marketing. It's stop thinking about your domain expertise, stop thinking about your product and why it's so great, and instead start thinking about and talking and writing about the most important and, and most connected questions and searches that your target market has right now. That's that's the key. Yeah, and not to toot my own horn, but I think the reason you decided so quickly after bringing us on, the metonymy team, to have me on this show with you is because that word right is so critical, right? right. It's This is that's right. equal parts data and, and craft. And yeah. so like, I'm just excited to be able to represent the writers out there and hopefully tease what are not just the data things, but what are the craft things we could be doing yeah. to just make this a better and more impactful tactic? Yeah, I, that's exactly right. So a couple of questions. SEO almost seems to have like a negative connotation, right? There's been a history over the last 10, 12, 15 years of different things that have come come to market and they've disappeared quickly overnight. But SEO almost sometimes seems to have a negative connotation. Talk about that. What have you seen and how this industry has evolved? I literally just got off a call with someone who said, it sounds great. We really want to get your guys help writing some content, but like SEO content sucks. I've had a lot of problems with that in the past. What do you have to say about that? And I was like, oh, you're totally right. It <laughs> totally sucks for the most part. And yeah. I mean, you look at like the lifespan of metonymy media in particular from about 2011 to 2021, we're talking about like the entire rise and then fall and then re-rise of the SEO industry, right? A lot yeah. of our customers from 2012 were behemoth multi-million dollar SEO firms that all were basically sued into oblivion once uh, Google makes an algorithm change, yeah. right? Yeah. Because so much of SEO is guesswork or has been to this point. We keep hammering on that, but even from the expert's perspective, in terms of like, I mean, you give me PTSD thinking about what was an assignment <laughs> like in like 2013. I'd have to go to my team and say, okay, guys, um, here's your article. You're not allowed to make it more than 350 words. Also, there are 10 keyword phrases to use. Most of them are four or five words long. You have to use each phrase four times. I mean, you do the math and like something like 60% of your article is just garbage. Right. Right. Yep. And I, the other part of that, I think, is that SEO to me, because of those competent experts who say, do this, do this, do this, link out a bunch, get a bunch of backlinks, spam your stuff, put it on an underline underneath that keyword phrase. What, there's all these little things that people say, this is what's going to make or break your SEO. It sort of, to me, has become this black box, I think. To me, it's like finance, right? So if you've never tried to invest or you've never had a 401k, you've never gotten into finance or anything like that, it seems like a real mystery, right? It yep. seems impenetrable. And I think there's that's for a reason. I think bankers and investors, hedge funds, they use really complicated language to make it sound like it's magic or that there's some higher right that an individual just a random person off the street couldn't do what they do and that's not true at all you, yeah. you, you just use simpler language it's a lot easier to understand i think seo is the same way like over the past 10 years i've watched as i thought that like there was some mystery i thought that we would never be able to call ourselves an seo agency and then i find that actually we've been an seo agency all along because all those technical things have sort of fallen by the wayside i think it's got a bad rap seo has a bad rap because a lot of people just don't know exactly what it is. And, and yeah. 
I think that's not exactly by accident. The search engines don't necessarily want you to think it's a game that you can win, right? Yeah. And so that requires you to put in hard work to be human, to ask hard questions, and to provide valuable content. And so when you think about it in those terms, it's a lot simpler than I think a lot of people imagine. So so what what do you think? I mean, you've been leading a, a content agency, SEO agency, for you know, 11, 12 years, right? You, you've written tens and tens of thousands of, of, of pieces of content of all different shapes, sizes, forms. If you look back and you, you, your team has used every SEO tool kind of known to humankind. So if you just kind of, if you look holistically back over the last 10 years, what are kind of the biggest shifts that you mentioned some of them a minute ago, but what, what is that mindset of, of the marketing leader and then the people who are executing and responsible for executing on the content strategy and creation to drive page one ranking? You know, what, are, what are a couple of the biggest shifts that you've seen and that, and that people have to get comfortable with changing? I think I'd respond in two two different ways. One, I've seen condensing of tools. Like six, seven years ago, I would have had no less than like eight tools that I'm using on a daily basis, like AdWords Planner, because that was the best of the time to understand like volume and stuff. Of course, the problem with that is that you're using paid metrics to try to justify organic decisions. And it's really it leaves a lot of room for error, right? But then you start folding in things like SpyFu to like get a look at the competitive landscape or Yoast SEO plugin on WordPress. It's like the industry standard for evaluating is this piece of content that I've written actually good? Is it gonna is it gonna accomplish something? Yep. You know, today, and of course I work for Demand Jump, so you all know I'm biased and <laughs> I've bought into this <laughs> platform, but we can do all of that with one tool because we're not worried about a lot of the noise that's in the SEO world. Like we're just worried. All we care about is what are people asking? What are the questions they're asking? And how do we provide content that's structured in a way that it's going to give them what they want immediately? And Yoast, that's the second kind of answer I'd give. To this day, I get a little bit sad when clients say to us, we'd really like you to use the Yoast SEO plugin because Yoast is very much that old school way of thinking where it's like, this is a simple, largely free plugin that is based on a very set list of rules. You should use your keyword this many times. It should be used in the first sentence of your article. We're going to focus on one keyword. That's another big thing with Yoast. It's like, tell us what keyword you want this article to rank for when most of the time we're going after six or seven in a standard blog post, right? So there's a lot of assumptions and and it's real easy to like use a rubric like like that and put a little green smiley face or a red frowny face next to your article, but I've never seen that little smiley face actually align with a human being's take on content. So I've had to justify so frequently that just because Yoast looks pissed off doesn't mean your users are going to be like, because we're actually thinking about how do we engage those people and give them what they want. So I've just seen it simplify and and I think become more contextual, which yeah. is, I think, music to most writers' ears, that I, I think we're a long way from completely automating that human element of things, because that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to understand the human element. Yeah, that's right. And you hit on this whole concept of like linear or a single keyword, or then, you know, a little bit ago you talked about, well, you got to have this many backlinks or repeat this word so many times. And and I think that's the so the paradigm shift, not only being think customer first, right? Mm-hmm. What are they really thinking and asking and, and searching, but then treating the internet for what it really is, right? The internet is not a spreadsheet. It's not something where we can download a bunch of data throw it into a linear spreadsheet and make decisions from, right? The internet is a spider web, right? Yeah. It's a graph. It expands, it contracts. There's new competitors who get acquired or people go out of business or the next generation becomes 18-year-olds and 21-year-olds and 30-year-olds and new people having all these trends. It's always shifting, changing. And back to that 22% change we see in searches. And so thinking about 
content strategy, go-to-market strategy, page one, if the internet is a network that's always changing, then the key to writing great content is to understand that network around any given topic. And what does it look like right now? And what Not does it look six like six months ago yeah. or like, what does it look like right now? What does it look like right now? Right. And, and in my context, what does it look like for my competitors? Yeah. Right. Like contextualizing any experience on the internet is critical. And yeah. I've, I've got a stat that I use in some presentations. It's something like 63% of users are like really tired of just standardized content. So there's a big move in, in customizing content for people, but I don't think that means what a lot of people think it has to mean that yeah. like you're using title tags and swapping out someone's name. It's like, no, just imagine that context of a person and, yeah. and where they fit within that network. Yeah. And you can build some real trust. I used to give an analogy to some people. Digital is no different than real life. But yet, for some reason, people historically have treated digital as something different than real life. So here's an, an analogy I used to use. If I, Let's say I'm married, and it's before Thanksgiving, and I'm leaving the office, and, and I get a call from my spouse. Hey, can you go pick up a frozen turkey? Week before Thanksgiving, go pick up a frozen turkey before you come home. And on the way home, instead of going to the grocery store first, I wheel through a parking lot because I've been thinking about buying that car. And whatever it is, right? A Ford or a GMC or whatever it might be. I go check out that car, kind of roll through the parking lot. I decide not to buy because I'm just kind of in research mode, right? Evaluation mode. Go across the street and I'm in the aisle now trying to pick, figure out if I want a 15-pound butterball turkey or a 20-pounder. And a sales guy from the car lot shows up in the aisle shaking a flyer in front of my face like, yeah. hey, you, you want to buy this car? You want to buy this car? And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And then the competitor, right? Let's say it's the Ford guy shows up. And then now the GMC guy shows up and shaking the flyer and said, no, you want to buy this one. And you want to buy the yellow one, right? And next guy shows up. I would think that's weird. And I might even call the police. Yeah, 100%. That's a serious invasion of privacy. Yeah. But yet, for some reason, marketers have the hardest job inside of any company. But marketers have been forced to kind of guess at that stuff and just randomly put stuff out there that's not aligned to where that customer is in their journey. Unless you're selling shoes, apparently. I was yeah. talking to our marketing director, Drew, earlier that like the only ads we get on Instagram are sh for shoes. And <laughs> I tend to buy them like at 10 o'clock at night when I'm being advertised that. That's but too sad. Thinking about like the digital, the digital world and the real world, that triggers me to wonder about, obviously there's been a shift in the way that like the C-suite thinks about marketing over the last many years. Yep. I think my experience tells me that CEOs, even 10 years ago, thought that, digital marketing was a lot less easy to quantify than your analog marketing, if you will. Yep. What is happening now? Like today, 2022, like what are CEOs talking about behind closed doors when it comes to marketing? Specifically, I'm interested in like SEO and, and digital marketing. Yeah. I, so I think that there's been every other department in the company, finance, sales, even warehousing, they all have a tool that they can buy and put in place and they put very finite data into this thing from which they make better decisions. Marketing's only one that doesn't have that. But I think as fast-paced as the world is now, I think the C-suite expects a couple of things. Number one, why can't marketing see what target market behavior is and just align to that to be able to drive a defined ROI? And companies that don't, where their marketing teams aren't doing that, I think that's what leads to those budgets getting cut first or CMOs have a, the shortest tenure, right? In every C-suite. And so, but I think behind closed doors, I think CEOs are saying a couple of things. Why in the hell aren't we on, first, on page one? Like why? We should be on page one. And why can't we prove that the, the money we're spending in marketing drives an ROI? Whatever yeah. that ROI might be. Right. And even hearing you ask that question puts the marketer in me in defense mode, right? Because right. I'm like, 
Well, I'll tell you why we can't figure that out. I'll tell you right now. You need to give me three to six months to test your assumptions about what you're telling me the market yeah. is, right? That's it's really easy for me to deflect that, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what's exciting to me about today's technology and the the sophistication with which we're able to think about content and storytelling as a tool because yeah. it can get better insights than we ever have on what customers actually want. And as long yeah. as we're solely focused on those, if that's our true north, then we're going to get to where we're going. We, I, one thing I'd add to that is when the things are moving so fast right now, right? It, it, attracting capital has been never been more expensive. It's never been lower cost to start a company, right? The competition around any given thing is just grown exponentially. And so when those CEOs walk into the boardroom once a quarter, the board is demanding and asking, right? Show me the ROI of how sales and marketing are connected now, right? So I think we used to historically think sales and marketing, were, they're, they're kind of two things, but they necessarily weren't connected, right? You kind of throw up some billboards, you know, so to speak. But then really the way you did business was salespeople, hand-to-hand combat, right? right. Out, there, out there selling. Put, that, me, put me in a room with someone yeah, I can sell. Put me in a room and I'll sell them. That market doesn't exist anymore, right? Especially with COVID, accelerate everything another 10 years. Sure. And so that's put the spotlight, especially in the last 24, it's just made the spotlight that much brighter on marketing. Do you think that's the biggest shift? I mean, you, your career is, I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years, right? Is that the biggest shift that you've seen uh, since the start of your career in terms of like go-to-market strategy and how leaders are thinking about it? Well, I think the, the, the one other big shift is we used to be able to brute force pay our way in marketing to kind of success. Like when the, first, the internet first kind of came around and people started to just build it and they will come, right? So that's the website. You started building these websites and they just would magically, people would find it. And that's when the, you know, the, I like to call it the dot bomb, right? When all the eyeballs came about and people thought, oh my gosh, I have a bunch of eyeballs. I'm going to be super successful. I built it and they came and we're going to make a bunch of money. Well, those people didn't turn into customers, right? But I could still pay my way. I could still brute force pay my way somewhat cost effectively to just get ads thrown up there. Well, well, now we all know there's been our blindness, right? You just don't see ads. Two things are happening. Number one, you just don't see ads if they're not relevant. If you're not, if they're, in, if they're not for shoes, yeah, <laughs> if they're not, but if they're not relevant with the mode you're in, yeah, you're right. not going to see them. And the second thing is, it's super expensive because so many people are buying ads. And the search engines say they don't, but we see in the data as this is true. If you are not, if your organic strategy is not aligned to the target customer behavior you're going to get charged two, three, four X more on your paid efforts. Oh yeah. I mean, there's very few things that I'm comfortable like saying with certainty and that's hundred percent one of them. They might not admit it, but like time and time again, whenever we're working alongside a paid advertising expert, they love it when we publish like a pillar of content because they're like, I can like our CPC just went, got cut in half for that topic because it's just amazing. These landing pages are great. So yeah, I mean like, it's who would have thought that like actually caring about giving value with your marketing rather than just parroting sales lines is what's <laughs> going to actually work. Exactly. All right. Well, let's talk about sharing the inspiration and why this show hopefully is worth the listener's time and what they're going to get out of it. And maybe just share a little bit about that and why you're passionate about SEO. Man, isn't that what we've been doing this whole time? I guess it's true. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I like I'm passionate about SEO because I'm passionate about cutting the bull out of marketing. And even though SEO is one of the buzzwordiest things that you can talk about, my SEO, the SEO that I've come to know over the last few years is an SEO that is 100% driven by human beings who care about what they do, right? They want to make a difference in the world. They want to feel like when they write a piece of content, even if it's about something as specific as a five gallon bucket, right? Like we talked about this. Yeah. 
that there's someone out there who like really needs an answer to this question about five gallon buckets. And if we can focus above all else on just providing that answer in an informative, maybe emotionally resident way, I don't know if that's possible with a five gallon bucket, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if we, if that's our focus, marketing becomes less about soulless greed and just, I want to consume take. And it becomes more about service in a way, right? Providing value. Right. And to me, that is, I think the companies that deserve to win the market are the ones who have something truly meaningful to add to the conversation yeah. and are going to actually improve the lives of their customers in some meaningful way. Yeah. And so the approach that we take to SEO isn't going to work if you're not able to do that. I've been telling people for years and it's truer now than ever. The only client that I think is a bad client is someone who just doesn't have a good story to tell because yeah. they're truly not innovating or they're not creating benefits and value. They're not overcoming obstacles. They're not empowering their customers to be the heroes of their own story, right? If you can do that, if you truly have something that's different and then you're focused on that, I think, I think the market will rally to you. And I think that's what I see my job being is to say, let's get the snake oil out of the business and let's focus on being human. So on that note, let's talk about what's upcoming here this year with all of our uh, different podcast episodes we have scheduled. So We have a rock star lineup. We're really excited. Um, You want to talk a little bit about what our listeners can expect from a guest standpoint that we have lined up and and episode structure. Yeah, I mean, we've got CEOs, we've got CMOs, we've got VCs, we've got CFOs, we've got like the entire C-suite. And I I think we've even got people who are more boots on the ground in marketing, which I'm really excited about because I think what we want to do is we want to create sort of a cross-section of those people who are winning the market, who are providing that value and deserve to win. What are they doing? What have they tried? What failed? How did they get to where they're, they're going to, where they're, they want to be, which is page one, right? Yep. So in each podcast, we're going to be focused. I think if I've done my job, right, I'm just excited to hear these stories. And I want to, I want to just have my mind blown, right? Every time we hear about, oh yeah, I can relate to that. Or, yeah. or wow, that really worked. That's insane. I can't believe it. I want to focus on real measurable results and, and actual stories that we can all learn from. And I think the intro of the show kind of captures it well when it says the point is we, we're going to learn some background. We're going to learn what they did from maybe it's a strategy perspective or a creative right. perspective. We're going to learn the results of what they did. And hopefully over time, this podcast will become a roadmap to page one for anybody who really wants to just cut through the noise yep. and, and get to where they want to be. That's the journey we want to take them on. I think it's going to be super exciting as all of those folks that you mentioned that we have lined up is to hear around a central topic, right? SEO, page one or bust, all these different personas, all these various stakeholders, right? And they all have a little bit of a different viewpoint on it. And the, the way the CEO looks at, at that versus the writer Right? They all have a very different viewpoint. So seeing this 360 view about stories and successes and failures from multiple um, different people and different companies is going to be so going to be so exciting. I mean, I can't wait for the first time we have just like a writer on. Yeah, I'm going to pour a glass of tequila and we're going to talk about how horrible it is sometimes yeah. to write the same article four times. But at the yeah. end of the day, yeah. like we need to because that's where people are looking. You know what I mean? Like I think that commiseration. And that just sharing the experience is yeah. going to be a hugely uh, a fun part of it. Totally agreed. It's awesome. All right. Well, before hitting the road, uh, you can find this podcast and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. And of course, you can find it at demandjump.com. So that's it for our inaugural episode of Page One or Bust. And we'll see you soon. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Know the exact content to create to increase first page rankings and drive outcomes with Demand Jump. 
Get started for free today at demandjump.com.